Senator McConnell, was what the president did last night the right thing to do? Senator, nice to see you. Was what the president did last night right? Senator, was what the president did last night with the peaceful protesters outside the White House the right thing to do? Pardon? What the president did, the peaceful protesters that were dispersed with tear gas, he then walked across the street to the church. Was that the right thing to do? Didn't really see it. Senator, is what the president did yesterday at St. John's, was that appropriate? Was it an abuse of power? Senator Roberts. Was what, yep. the pres was what the president did last night at St. John's, was that appropriate? Was clearing the protesters an abuse of power? Senator Enzi, are you concerned at all about what I'm happened at the White House last night? Sorry, I'm late for lunch. Senator Blackburn, do you have any concerns about what unfolded at the White House last night? Senator Portman, do you think what we saw last night at the White House... I'm, I'm late for lunch. I'm late for lunch. The Born to Be Mild Podcast. Hey, hello, and welcome to Midweek Mild with BTBM. An informal cast to keep you caught up, and frankly, to keep us caught up. It's Wednesday, June 3rd of 2020. I've got Ron Cabuno here, and I'm Pete Crawford. Amidst several weeks of extraordinary turmoil, the last few days have still managed to stand out with some bombshells in the news. Ron, what the hell have we got going on? Well, we've got it coming at us from every angle, and some good and some bad. Um, we just had the breaking news that General Mad Dog Mattis is not so pleased with the Trump presidency and the administration in general. Um, and that is going to be something we have to dive into in detail but also, we have the breaking news earlier today that the charges for Officer Chauvin have been increased to second-degree murder. And finally, the three other officers involved mm -hmm. in the arrest are being charged. Charged so, with aiding and abetting a murder. Exactly. As they so, should be. Um, you have the Attorney General of Minnesota deciding that he's got enough ground to stand on to upgrade that charge. And that is going to bring... Um, I would say uh, a bit of satisfaction to a lot of people, not and as well as the arrest or the charge of the other officers, because we couldn't believe that someone was able to stand by, see that happen, and completely walk when they have a badge on. Um, I got to see a, a mashup of many, many officers from around the country saying that this was completely wrong, that they totally should have been charged, and they can't believe, they were mortified that they stood by. So that was a real big development that just happened today amongst a million others that I'm sure we're going to get into. Yeah, I actually heard um, that they have uh, Derek Chauvin on suicide watch right now. So this dude's not handling this shit very well, and as he shouldn't be. I did not know that, but I don't blame him because, I don't know, maybe it's a come-to-reckoning moment that he's having in, you know, in the pokey or wherever the hell he is. Right. Um, yeah. We don't know anything about this guy, really. Uh, we, we've passed a lot of judgment on him, and maybe not all of it is fair, but when something like this happens, you know, that's the kind of thing that you, you can expect from the American uh, public. It's just... Well, I I don't know. I think he has an exemplary shitty record when you look at the complaints that have been filed against him since he's been on the force. Yeah, we mentioned that on Sunday. There, There's, 
He's got the ten uh, complaints. Uh, in well, he's got years. almost as Multiple many. Multiple shootings. I think it was eighteen and nineteen years, or something like that. And well, yes, he, a guy said that he just walked into his bathroom and shot him a couple times. Yeah, this this guy doesn't have a clean record. So even though we don't know anything about his his actual character, just looking at his police record, and then you weren't we're gonna bookend it with him actually murdering a guy. Um, I'm gonna draw my own uh, assumptions, and I'm not gonna apologize for him either. <laughs> right, because I think you have all the facts that you need to know, at least to surmise a generality about this guy's character. I agree. Um, so yeah, sorry, sorry, uh, Derek, but you're not getting a lot of empathy from the born to be mild podcast right now. No, not at all. And you also have, uh, the state of Minnesota versus the Minneapolis police department at this time. Yeah, they're, uh, they're actually taking, uh, the entire, uh, police department, uh, uh, to court for this, or, or at least they're, they're trying to hold them against the fire right now. Um, right. Um, does so- this even happen? Do you think that even happens if these, uh, We'll call them protests, but we know they they were also riots. Uh, do you think that this is a, a direct result of uh, that? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And the reason being is I was listening to interviews with the mayor of Minneapolis, and he was talking about how hard it is to be a reformer from the inside. Oh, sure. And so, like, think about how disheartening it is when you presuppose that through the ballot box you are able to affect change and you get the person in there that is you know hell-bent on doing so and then he is completely hamstrung by the system that he has voted into yeah i can't Um, imagine being in those shoes right now it's got to be an extremely difficult situation i'm glad that we're talking about uh politics right now and not actually working in them Yes. Oh my gosh. It is so difficult. But like he was talking about the fact that the police chief who is trying to be a reformer himself is getting nowhere with getting dirty cops off of the force, mainly because the leader of the police union and the contract that was signed, you know, to protect police officers makes it so difficult to reprimand or get rid of bad cops. So they're trying their best. And this might be the type of um, inflection point where you can have broad sweeping changes to the conduct policies for the police departments across the country. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's important to just uh, reinforce what we said about two minutes ago. This this type of uh, action on the part of the government absolutely would not be occurring if it weren't for what's been going on in uh, all the major cities across America over the past five days. And you can you can be mad at rioters and looters and you can say what they're doing is irresponsible. But I I will tell you personally, I don't believe that you could sit there and say it's not doing anything good. I think it does impact change. We are watching it right now. How many times have we said if these were just peaceful protests, this shit would be back page news within days? Immediately. It would be laughed right out of the, the newspaper, actually, right alongside a picture of Colin Kaepernick on his knee. Exa- oh, my goodness. When you talk about all the memes that are going around, like, hey, we tried this shit nonviolently. We tried this shit silently. And you guys had a problem with that. So how else are we supposed to do it? Yeah, and um, you know, I, I the, the the Martin Luther King quote uh, that I used last week that uh, basically, even a peaceful man such as him acknowledges that if you're not heard with peaceful protest, eventually it's not going to be peaceful. Right, exactly. And you have people like the little stooge press secretary uh, 
McAnnie, McAnnie, or whatever her name is, trying to invoke the spirit and words of Dr. King for her own personal usage, for the administration's co-opting of, of his mission. It was despicable. I agree. So you ha- yeah, yeah. So we're we're kind of in a, a position here where we're in the transition point, I guess, between. I think we're going to see the the protests and the the riots. We're already seeing more and more peaceful protests again, which is Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Uh, one of the great ones I forgot to mention the other day was uh, they had a thing in Denver. Um, uh, it was a peaceful protest, and this was actually going on while a lot of the uh, the extra extreme uh, violence was still going on. But it was just a massive field of people, and all Laying of them down. all of them laid down on their stomach exactly in the position that uh, Floyd himself was held on. And for nine straight minutes, they all chanted in unison, "I can't breathe." I just it was so moving to see that amazing. And, uh, you know, th- these these types of protests, these peaceful ones, suddenly now they are being heard. And why? Yet again, it's because of all of the crap we saw go down in the last five days. And furthermore, and to that point, uh, there was some hothead little officer of the Denver Police Department that posted on Instagram with a couple of his cronies while he was in full gear and whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's start a riot. That's oh, really? what he put down. Yes. And he was promptly fired by the chief of police there and totally denounced. So yeah, I think we're going to hopefully see a weeding out of the bad apples and we're going to start to see um, better protocols for hiring. Um, I, I would hate to think that there aren't enough people willing and able to serve their communities, but we do not have to live with this type of poison within the ranks. No, and you can't have a, such a significant slice of America who don't believe that there are just some bu- uh, bad cops out there. A lot of these people earnestly believe that pretty much all cops are bad. They just don't trust them. We've got to get the system changed so that the, there's not this this perspective by general America that cops are the enemy. That's not right. America's fault. That's the fault of the police. Right, and uh, Bomani uh, earlier this week was talking about who runs these streets. You know damn well the police run these streets. So they're not about to try and relinquish power to the people that they feel are their adversaries. And that's not good because the police are supposed to be of the community. Right. Not on top of the community. They're there to enforce the law and to protect the law-abiding citizens. And that's... uh that seems like the last thing that comes to people's mind these days when they think about police. People are frightened of police. Even privileged white people like ourselves, we're not always super happy to see a cop walk by. I'm not like, oh, now I'm safe. It's like, oh, there's a cop. I'm just like thinking sometimes, what is he going to find wrong with what I'm doing? Exactly. What do I not know that I'm doing wrong that I might be in jeopardy for? It's um, And I guess you could attribute it to the fact that most of us, when we're in our car and we pass a cop, even if you're going the speed limit, you're watching the dude in your rearview mirror for like the next, you know, like quarter mile. Like, is it, did he pull out? Did he pull out? And like, dude, you're not even breaking any laws. That's a stigma that needs to go away. And that can only happen internally. So they need to clean it up. Uh, no doubt. And there were cop after cop this week who were talking about how their approach to policing was to get out of the car and become one with the communities that they serve. And I you saw think that of a better way to do it. Yeah, I, it was really uplifting to see examples of these these policemen. Some of them marching alongside and like putting down the batons. That was wonderful, amazing. Oh, 
Like, and, and you know what? The people who are being accused of being violent, mindless hoodlums, they welcomed them into their protest with open arms. So every cop out there isn't bad. Some of them are willing to, to join this fight against the corruption and the, the violence that we've seen within the system. Right. And I think it was uh, Secretary of Defense Esper, who might be short-lived at his position. We'll get to that later. <laughs> um, but I think it was He's he gone. who said, yeah, right, you're, you're fired. You're um, fired. <laughs> I think it was he who said that um, I wanted to come out and have our National Guard troops come out with absolutely no face masks on, no riot gear, nothing, so that you it's, could I, see oh, is that right? their faces. I didn't hear that, actually. understand that they are part of your community. Oh, I see what you're saying. It yeah, might have been a police chief of some of the place or something, but it was absolutely. He wanted to let you know that these are people behind the badge as well, and um, they are accountable for their actions, but they're also human beings. It's really difficult when you have so much anger towards, uh, I guess, a, a subset of the population that does have authority over you. Uh, in general, and try to see each individual person a- as another citizen. Yeah, that's interesting um, because it, it is important to humanize the police. But when you see a a cop who's wearing his riot gear and whatever, and he's got the thing over his face, he feels like a stormtrooper. I'm waiting for the the Star Wars music to come on when he's walking by. So, but it's t- it's double protection because I see him as protected by all the. Um, all the gear that he has on, but I also see him protected by all the laws that are at his back. Yeah, he's protected in the physical sense and the social sense. So, what do you Very imposing. Exactly. So, once you can break those away and you can uh, show yourselves to be equals in some, in some respect, it goes a long way to keeping the peace. Agreed. And I would like to see that myself as well. Um, but right, I, yeah. so... Go ahead. Uh, we had we had George W. Bush's letter. Um, I mm-hmm. think was that yesterday. I believe it was. Today is Wednesday. Yes, it was Tuesday. Right. So is it March? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's either my, November that's what I or ask March. Everybody, I have no fucking idea <laughs> of time anymore. It's always March from no, here on out. Until the only thing we know, twenty twenty one, it's March. Exactly. The only thing we know is it's twenty twenty. <laughs> barely. I am barely cognizant of that. We should eliminate it, the month and the day from writing the date down from here on. It means nothing unless you want to talk about how good the stock market was doing on a certain day amid all this ridiculous shit. Which yeah, is right. Befuddling the, in its own regard, but we're not even going to get to that crap. Yeah, because the Dow went up like a half a point yesterday. Let's uh, mark the date down. Oy. Um <laughs> Yeah, but so George W. Bush um, and his wife, Miss um, Laura, were. Uh, Pretty vocal in a milk toast Republican way. I appreciate it. They were je- they were, you know, looking to unite as much as possible and also um, respect and honor the family uh, of George Floyd as well as denounce everything that happened up to that. And mm-hmm. I, I I have to commend him as a Republican past president for breaking that chain of silence that means absolutely nothing when you have somebody like Trump who does not give a shit about traditions and honor that he uh, doesn't deserve to be afforded the same in kind. And um, I was really glad that W broke his silence. Yeah, um, Donald Trump was the best thing that's ever happened to, to old W, because uh, he was so derided for eight years, and 
Uh, sure, and Mitt Romney. Yeah, he felt terrible. Yeah, and then so and then all of a sudden Donald Trump is president, and everyone, even like the liberals who were screaming about the wars in 2004 and 2005, all of a sudden they're like, you know, he wasn't all that bad. <laughs> well, what they see is a actual human being and not a fucking monster. Pardon, I, I'm sorry. I promised my wife I wasn't going to swear on this one, and I just did it. That's okay. She'll, she'll let you go. That that was a uh, that that's. It's warranted. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the, essentially what it is right now because you are comparing a man who we thought we thought was a little dim-witted and maybe a little in over his head. But now you're right. If if you're comparing him to a fucking monster, I mean, I'm sorry. You know, the school bully being compared to Hitler. It's just there's just such a gap between Bush and Trump, and right. It's it's crazy. Exactly. And you see those people on the Facebook who are saying, listen. Uh, remember the night that Trump became president and I cried? This is fucking why. This is why. We knew that it had a chance of going right here because he's a racist and he's a divider and given the opportunity, he's going to maximize both. Yeah, I've seen that meme quite a bit and there's a lot of resistance to it too. People are like, oh, well, explain to me how exactly this is Trump's fault. And uh, I was able to pull up a, a tweet actually from 2014 where Trump is just uh, basically destroying Obama over uh, the riots, the Ferguson stuff back Mm -hmm. that happened. And he, he he blamed the whole thing on leadership. Well, applicable then applicable. Now I'll hold you to your word, Trump. I I will go ahead and agree with you now uh, retroactively that it does fall upon leadership when this shit happens. I mean, I totally agree. Um, The, White House photographer Pete Souza had a book just a couple years ago after he had his awesome book about just the Obama presidency where he was comparing the two. He was comparing the actions and the words of uh, Trump in the current versus either tweets that he sent out in the past against Obama or the mm-hmm. actions of Obama. And the differences couldn't be starker and the hypocrisy could not have gone to a higher level. Yeah, there's a tweet for everything. And that's become a popularized thing to say online for a reason because pretty much anything asinine that he does, that he still gets lauded for by his base. He has a Trump a Trump tweet from um, anywhere between 2010 and when he got elected basically destroying exactly what he's doing now. And so uh, it's, 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 it's looking at the man and, and realizing that there are people out there who actually turn a blind eye to all of these things. It just blows my mind because hypocrite doesn't even come close to describing that. You know, I just love to get into fights with people on the Facebook, but like, who doesn't? (laughs) Right. I mean, like I try to, liken some things uh, at the Antifa movement versus um, the World War II generation and it was it was really tongue in cheek because it was basically just like oh look at these people who are anti-fascists going up against the white white supremacists mm-hmm. that is essentially what we're looking at right here we're looking at a moral battle and if you're on the wrong side of this you have as a Senator Cotton would say, you have no quarter. Um, Tom Cotton. Now, yeah. yeah. So that was really like shaky ground when you have all these moves by the administration this week that is that are infringing upon 
every right that an American should have. And one by one, you're seeing either radio silence from the senators on the Republican side or a doubling down. Um, like I said, Tom Cotton said that there should be no quarter for looters. And this is a man who has a military background and is a Harvard educate uh, Harvard um, Matt has a master's master's from degree from Harvard. Correct. Right. I didn't know if it was law or whatever, but either way, this is an educated man who then went to the front lines, I believe, in Iraq uh, because of his bravado and his uh, duty and his honor to his country, but then wants to come back here and use that type of lingo and say that there will be no quarter for looters, as in, you're allowed to shoot them on site for stealing things and breaking things. Where is the due process in that? There isn't. And that's, we should probably get into that because uh, Trump's tweet, and we mentioned this again on Sunday, but essentially he said they're going to start shooting. And he thought he made a clever poem about when the looting starts, the shooting starts or something like that. And um, Well, he was just <clears throat> quoting some racist Miami police chief of yesteryear. Well, it was, it was completely ridiculous. And you, you actually had just uh, mentioned at the beginning of this cast about uh, Mark Esper who is the Secretary of Defense currently, uh, and I say right. currently uh, with all of the quotation marks around it. It because... is tenuous AF. <laughs> <laughs> this, this dude is walking a thin line, but he's basically breaking ties with uh, Trump over the belligerence of those comments shooting Americans. And, uh, you know, he's... well, not just that. He is in complete opposition to using the military active yeah. military. He said not no the, need, no need for military response. The, we are not there right now. And um, it would be a, a dramatic overreach of power. Now, this is the same guy who had to apologize. He didn't have to apologize, but he did apologize for saying that he wanted to dominate the battle space in a private meeting. And he knew right away when it got public that He's like, listen, I, I'm, a, I'm a military guy, and this is the type of lexicon that I use on a daily basis. But when it gets out into the public, it doesn't sound like you're treating Americans as citizens at that point. So he understood the tenor and the tone of that, and he walked himself back. And that's not what you see normally in the administration. So when you can find somebody in the Trump administration and in the cabinet who can find fault in themselves, he is a diamond in the rough. Mm -hmm. So you know he's as good as gone. Yeah, there's. Uh, I don't think he has a chance in hell, given uh, Trump's uh, track record with anyone who crosses him. Uh, th this dude, he should have his resume all set right now. So, <laughs> right. But speaking <laughs> of, how big is the proclamation from Mattis today? That was just like it was amazing. Yeah, and I think he did this. Um, so we we should probably specify uh, what led up to this. I think Mattis came out probably because of this entire. Uh, uh, basically quagmire to use a George W. Bush uh, phrase um, with, yeah, with things have gone the, nuclear. The riots and things yeah it's totally <laughs> nuclear out here and you know I know that he's uh, he's probably lambasting him for that as well but Trump's little incident and I know you have something to say on this with his photo op of which uh, not to go back to uh, our friend Mark Esper but he says he didn't even know <laughs> this photo op, he thought he was uh, going to examine a vandalized bathroom, like he was completely thrown, uh, completely thrown a curveball with this. And um, well, why don't you go ahead and talk about Trump and his Bible? You know, 
it feels like I've already talked about this so much online and on social media <laughs> that I've gotten it all out. But, but not here on we here. Go again. No, <laughs> yeah. not on here. This man did the most despicable act that a president has ever done since, who knows, maybe Andrew Johnson or whoever kicked a slave back in 1776. I swear to God, we are at a new low. This man, and you see pushback on the right. Well, like they want to come to his defense immediately. In the Federalists, they Always. tried to say that there was no tear gas used, and they wanted to use that as the one critique of this entire mockery of the military and and, and of anything else of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, but in fact, it was tear gas, and there are several accounts saying that it was. But they wanted to say, oh, well, if it wasn't tear gas, then everything he did was fine. So what he ended up doing was, while he is in the in the rose garden, talking about how he has vicious dogs and shit, and ready for all these protesters and looters. It was basically like Vito Corleone, at the same time executing all of his enemies, because at that moment, a half hour before the curfew was actually supposed to happen in Washington D.C., the um, the Capitol police totally cleared the way, bum-rushed all these peaceful protesters, tear-gassed them, rubber bullets, you name them, just so this asshole can come and stroll the couple hundred yards through Lafayette Park from the White House to St. John's Church, and then hold up a Bible in a very quixotic way, just like we've seen a a side-by-side comparison of Adolf Hitler holding up a Bible. Right. I mean, the not pose. even say a prayer. He didn't even open the Bible. Didn't even. He doesn't even know what it looks like inside. He just held and it up. You've never <laughs> seen somebody fumble with a book more in your life. And so um, the the bishop of the diocese and obviously the priest of that church said he was completely unwelcome and that he used their church as a prop. Um, and he stood up there with like five or six white guys, including Bill Barr. Who is supposed to be our attorney general, but is nothing more than a Everyone's stooge. Favorite, yeah. And he is the guy who was in charge of making this happen. This little promenade for the uh, dictator in chief. Yeah, he wasn't and even so, wanted. He wasn't even wanted there. And he, right, this and guy so he Esper, hijacked everything. <laughs> Esper says he didn't know what was going to happen. He was just along for the ride. And listen, if you're the Secretary of Defense, you're the head of the freaking Pentagon. You kind of take that walk with your Commander in Chief, no matter what. But he obviously was incensed when he found out what it was all about. Um, so, just like a scowling president standing in front of a boarded-up church with not a rainbow coalition, but six other white folks, and not trying to quell the unrest and the violence and the uncertainty that was plaguing the nation at the time, but just making a photo op that, who knows, maybe it was uh, uh, some kind of siren song to his QAnon followers or the evangelical um, disillusioned among us. I don't know, but it was probably one of the eeriest moments I've seen in politics in my entire life. The, yeah, it was completely oblivious for him to go up there during this time with a bunch of white dudes, hijack a church, use a, a Bible basically like it was a, a, a conductor stick as mm-hmm. he's speaking. And, and to what end? It, I, I, and it you was, heard <laughs> you heard the one reporter say, is that your Bible? He says, it's a Bible. It's a Bible. What the hell? 
what the hell is right? What the hell did this man do to earn the evangelical uh, adornment? And I mean, I, and they do, they adore him. So the evangelical adornment, while everyone who knows him personally says he doesn't go to church, it's just hilarious. It's such a facade. Uh, Joe Biden actually had a great tweet about it. Um, I don't give Joe props for being uh, witty very often, but uh, a, a little little segment of this tweet, and I won't read the whole thing, but he just said, the president held up a Bible at St. John's Church yesterday. If he opened it instead of brandishing it, he could have learned something. Burn! 100% agree. Hun- yeah. Sick burn from so, old Sleepy Joe. Appreciate it. Yeah, he's... And I, the fact that he didn't open the Bible, didn't say a prayer. What are you even doing up there, man? Could this be any more phony? Exactly. What was it all for? It was just for a show of force, and that's all that man cares about. Um, from his bunker. We ha- <laughs> right. I was going to say, we had him a couple a couple nights before that go and, and make the White House dark as he was descending into the bunker because the Secret Service really believed that he might have been in harm's way because of uh, the increased violence in the protests in D.C. that night. But that is not, once again, you can go in the bunker, you just leave the freaking lights on, man. You can't say that I'm turning a blind eye to this country. He's trying to save and electricity. Yeah, of course. That's really frugal of you. I'm sure your golden bathroom <laughs> in your New York apartment speaks the same language. Golden toilet, man. Not the whole bathroom. Is the whole bathroom? No, gold? the whole bathroom. It was. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's great. Um, but so I saw in the new or the Washington Post, um, I believe this morning, how he was being compared to Jimmy Carter and the Carterization of the Trump presidency, as essentially he is. Um, yeah, you mentioned receding. This from the spotlight receding from any type of responsibility and i think it's a good comparison on one side but it's not on the other because jimmy carter was nowhere near anything you could call incendiary and that is how trump lives his life he was yeah he was literally the antithesis of incendiary uh, neither of us were alive during the carter administration but we Jimmy Carter has been in the public eye. This guy's still alive somehow. He's he's right. old as dirt. But I, you know, I, I don't know what what the hell Maybe this guy has done to hurt anyone. He's been doing. Yeah, like he's, yeah. he's got to be one of the most charitable human beings. Like the way nobody's he speaks, had a nobody's had a better career post presidency than Jimmy Carter. Oh I God, believe. the best thing that ever happened to him is uh, being done being president. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and um, doing the Habitat for Humanity. I mean, that's a noble cause. Yes. No, the, he's a noble guy. I mean, most ex-presidents are. Uh, but what we're looking at is two presidents who were over their skis, who are just completely outmatched by the moment. And um, one is, you know, one is literally trying to make it worse. <laughs> that's, that's the best way I can put it. It kind of feels like uh, Trump's entire... Even people surrounding him, uh, we'll get into Mattis here in just a second, but um, even one of the, uh, his like top uh, White House staffers essentially said, like while he was down in the bunker, tweeting out, calling governors weak, like, oh my God, if no, if you, there is that phone call or that, uh, I should say like a, it, it's like a Zoom thing. They're all on there. Um, that's available to listen to. It is priceless. Listen to mm. these because you can hear them fuming as he's speaking because he's calling them weak as he hides yeah. in a bunker. So anyway, this staffer uh, came out and said, you know, obviously he wants to remain anonymous, but I'd love to know who it was. He said that all that Trump is doing 
is sitting down in the bunker tweeting. He's literally not doing anything. No leadership whatsoever, just in a bunker tweeting. And he has the balls to call these governors who are trying to deal with the shit on top of a pandemic weak. Bullshit. Yeah, because as we know, he does anything except listen to his intelligence reports every morning and do the job that you're uh, elected to do. So you could just imagine him sitting on the corner of a couch like some kind of teenage girl at a Christmas party, a family Christmas party, who wants nothing to do with the rest of anyone in the room, and you're just on your phone, like, tap, tap, tapping away. That's what the President of the United States looks like at a time of crisis. Oh, do you have any idea, whether it be after this year, or should he get reelected let's knock on wood god um, help us all i know god but after that all. year whenever he leaves office the amount of books look at this after this entire trump experiment is over i'm just curious personally how many of his staffers who now won't have to kiss his ass anymore as their boss are going to come out and verbally eviscerate him like people who actually worked around the man firsthand i guarantee yeah. it is going to be it is going to be telling there are going to be Netflix specials, there will be movies. They made a movie about George W. Bush. There will be movies, there will be book deals for all these people. And this Mattis uh, statement that we're going to get into is is really just going to be par for the course. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're looking at um, a public that was hungry for what Omarosa had to say at his time on The Apprentice. So (laughs) this is kind of leagues greater than that. The Apprentice is slightly... Below the echelon of president, well, let's just Bushly say compa- in leader of the right. free world. Gag, but so, gag. like, you're basically going to have to put everything through the matrix uh, and the filter of, all right, how credible were you during the administration? As in, like, how much do I want to listen to you now? Even if you have the most salacious stuff, I am kind of going to not want to hear it because you were such a snake while you were there. Yeah, the disillusionment is going to be completely shattered. There will be no rose-colored glasses after Trump is out of office. The the hindsight, I'm I'm borderline excited, but I'm really just curious to see like how everything is going to play out when he's when he's gone and nobody has to care anymore. All the things that are going to come out, like I even even someone who I don't respect, like uh, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I bet you she probably might have something to say about this guy. So. We'll see. If she has something to say, that will be pretty extraordinary because... um, I don't know what kind of terms they parted on, so we'll see. Yeah, but I think that um, steadfast adherence to the cause runs in that family. Well, I'm I'm no Mike Huckabee fan, so I I, I agree with... Yeah, above all, they seem like they're extremely religious before anything else. Right, so if they see this man as the second coming and the... Uh, fruition of all their desires, they're never going to turn on him. But if they work around him, they might know that that entire narrative is fraudulent. Unless they come to believe that that is the real truth themselves, which I feel like some you people think, in his orbit have. You think Christians are just going to believe something based on nothing? Come on. <laughs> oh, you're good with the yokes. <laughs> That's what I'm here um, for. Absolutely. We're all just here for the guffaws. But we should talk about, we've mentioned Mattis enough times now. What the hell is going on? James Mattis has some stuff to say. Yeah, so if I can quote the man. Do. I have watched this week's unfolding events angry and appalled. 
the words equal justice under the law are carved in the pediment of the United States Supreme Court. This is precisely what the protesters are rightly demanding. It is a wholesome and unifying demand, one that all of us should be able to get behind. And then he goes on to say that, you know, essentially it's loaded. He's trying to divide us loaded with great quotes. Donald Trump right. is the first president in my lifetime who does not try to unite the American people, does not even pretend to he try. He doesn't even pretend to try. Instead, he tries to divide us. He doesn't even pretend to try. That's the most damning part of it all. And keep in mind, listeners, if you don't remember, it wasn't long ago that this man, this decorated military man, was Trump's former Secretary of Defense. And he was his right-hand man for a while. He was seen as the adult in the room in the yes. administration he, because he is respected. Listen, I have family yeah. in the in the you know military or whatnot who says it is so rare for someone to be um, exalted by all branches that this guy is going to go down like Eisenhower in our history books, and that is no small task. It's true, though. So like. It's amazing. So, like, when he said on the campaign trail that I'm going to have Mad Dog Mattis, that actually lent an air of legitimacy to his campaign. Bipartisan. And then to have... Yes. Right. And then to have this man, uh, three or four years hence, um, comparing Donald Trump and his tactics to the Nazis speaks volumes. It's a lot. And and everything you said is uh, just hits the nail right on its head. Uh, Mattis was the one guy... When uh, Trump was selecting his cabinet, uh, the military immediately loved it, and both the left and the right were like, "Okay, that's a decent pick." You know, after after he picked uh, exactly uh, like Secretary of Education, uh, what's her name, um, Betsy DeVos, Betsy DeVos, which is completely DeVos, yeah, um, yeah, Jesus. I'm not go there. We don't want to talk <laughs> about her. Yeah, my actually no. my favorite uh, uh, quote that Mattis had is I think the most telling and the most damning um, uh, part of his entire speech based on uh, what we've been uh, dealing with lately. And it's, we are witnessing the consequences of three years without mature leadership. Mm. I couldn't have said it better myself. It doesn't get any more clear, concise, pithy. It That is exactly how those of us who do not like Donald Trump, and apparently there are a lot of us, that's how we feel every morning when we wake up and we read a headline. And I was I was just going to say, like, there are millions of us who have been saying this forever, but nobody's voice has the gravitas of this man. This is huge. Nobody can make this point as poignantly as this man. So today is a turning point, in my opinion. I hope so. I think it was... Um... I, th- I thought it was amazing. The second I saw it, I was like, oh my god, Mattis came out and... It was a big deal when Mattis resigned because right right there, that was kind of a damnation on, on Trump's entire um, handling of, of his staff and the way he was running the country and the White House in general. Because this well, was the it guy... was in direct response to his involvement with Syria. Yes. So he basically threw his hands up and he's like, I'm fucking done with this guy. Well, he was trying to go and over his everyone head. Else, yeah. Right. And everyone else is like, no, please, what are we going to do now? Who's going to be in charge? And as we've seen, literally nobody except for Mike Pompeo has been in charge ever since. Yeah, it's been really the leadership in this country. There is we don't have we don't have great leaders on the left right now. You and I keep asking for someone to come out. 
Um, I guess it's just Obama trying to be in retirement years. And we don't, we obviously don't have great leaders on the right. This country is just dying of thirst for some kind of competent leadership. Absolutely. And, um, you know what? I think this is probably a good place to end it because we're going to have so much to talk about come this weekend. Um, it never ends. We're going to find out who steps up and we're going to find out what unfolds until then. And I, I can't even begin to imagine what's going to happen tomorrow or by the time we record again on Sunday. Oh, the story is going to change by this time tomorrow night. And that's why we're doing this episode. We want to try to keep up. We want to try to stay relevant and topical for the day because we, you, we all know Sunday is going to be a different America. It always is. That's right. All right. Well, I'll see you then. Yeah. Uh, take care, everyone. And uh, we will see you this weekend. All right, later, everybody.